Make your way over to 1 John chapter 2. This morning as we continue our way and our time in this chapter, I, I would venture to say that we will still be in this chapter for at least the next few weeks. Um, there, there's so much in this amazing chapter. It's a long chapter for sure, but there's just so much to cover here in this chapter, and as I've been studying it and looking at it, it's like I really just don't want to gloss over what the Word says here. There's so much instruction, there's so much truth and encouragement, and so I want to try to do it justice. As we have learned, as we have started going through the book of John, the first John here, the Apostle John, writes this book as a father would to his children. It's a very tender book. John here is, in this book, as we look at it and study it, John is loving, yet he is firm. He is sensitive, yet forceful, if I could use that word to contrast sensitive. He's instructive and yet challenging at the same time. And so needless to say, John is balanced in his approach uh, to encourage the readers that he is writing to. He wants to encourage them to mature in their fellowship with their God and with one another. And so again, he has this balance that that, that he's, he's giving to the people. And here in this section that we will be covering this morning... John addresses the family. Almost like a patriarch would bring together his family so he can have a a family meeting with them to impart to them things that are on his heart, to encourage the family to grow and to come together. It's it's almost going to sound like, at least to me it sounded like, because we're covering from verse 12 to verse 14 this morning, it kind of almost kind of seemed to be like the last reading of, of the will and testament, you know. Because in, in, in two verses, there's three verses that we're covering, but in two of the verses, he says, I write to you four times. I write to you, I write to you, I write to you, I write. And then in, in the last verse that we'll cover, in verse 14, he says, I have written to you twice. And so in three verses that we will be covering this morning, six times does he make reference, he makes mention of the fact that he is writing this to people in particular. He's focusing on this group. And it's almost like bringing the family together and says, "I'm, I'm writing to you, and then I'm writing to you, and I'm writing to you. You know, and so, you know, it's almost like he's specific to the people or a people group. And he does sound repetitive, as we're going to see here. And I know that I've shared with you that John is old. But that has nothing to do with him repeating himself. (laughs) He's trying to get something across that's that's hardcore for him, that he really wants to encourage his his family with. And so let's let's read, and then we'll get to it. But but let's start in verse 1. I said, my little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, he, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. He who says, He abides in him, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have uh, have had from the beginning. An old commandment, the old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. A new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Verse 12. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Father, I do pray that, God, you would just teach us through your word right now, Lord God, and just help my brothers and sisters' ears to be open to to what you say, Lord God, through your word. And, Father, help me as I share this message, Lord God, that you would help me to teach it and share it with clarity and understanding, Father. So please... Speak to us through this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we go back to verse 12, he starts off by saying, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Now, a couple of months ago, and I went back to see when we started 1 John, and it's been at least two months that we started 1 John. I went back to the introduction that I I gave to you there. We didn't actually start going through. We just did an introduction. But in that introduction, I kind of shared with you that there were four reasons for why um, John was writing this letter to these believers. And those four reasons, um, he he, he says, um, these things we, I, write or have written to you uh, concerning that or concerning. And then he gives them the reason. And so we see that in chapter 1, he says, I write these things or we write these things that your joy may be full. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, uh, I write these things that you may not sin. And then in, at the end of chapter 2, towards the end, he says, I write these things concerning the false teachers that will come. And I paraphrase that one. And, and at the end, in chapter 5, he says, I write these things 
that you may have eternal life or know and understand eternal life. And so he gives us the reasons behind of why he has structured this letter and why he's writing this letter to these believers. And so he gives us those four reasons and he kind of lays them down right there. But here in this section of scripture that we're looking at this morning, he says, I write or have written to you because, because... Not so much to give them instruction, but to encourage them. I'm writing because of these things. I'm not writing so that or concerning these things to give instruction. I'm writing to you because, because. And and, and so we we, we need to understand that. And and what we see here is is John kind of gathering his family together to, uh, to address them. Address them of what he has maybe seen and heard of them. And his motive behind this little portion here is to encourage and lift up the family of God. He, he, he wants to lift them up a little bit. You know, because of what he, what he has heard of them, he, he, he wants to do that. And so he, he has sounded in the past and he will in the future. Uh, he has sounded uh, firm forceful and challenging. And he will continue to, to, to do that throughout his letter. But here, he kind of balances it out with being more loving, sensitive, and instructive here. So who is he writing to? Well, we see three, three different groups. We, we, we see fathers, young men, and little children in this portion. And some believe, some of the commentaries that I, I read, some of them would lean and they, would, they, 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 they seem to think that it was, he's purely speaking to male figures that were making up the church, uh, the body of Christ. Because there is a, a, a lot of that masculine overtone here. You know, the fathers, the young men, the little children presuming that they would be young boys, little boys. And if that is the case... It would be a great opportunity for me to, to really just turn my attention towards the males in this room, to the fathers, to the young men. You know, it, 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 would, it would make sense that, that I would say, you know what, today, uh, you men, you, if you're a male here, I want to encourage you. You women that showed up, well, you know, just be here for us, you know, just be here with us, you know. Uh, but... But, but, you know, I could use this study and use this portion, if that's the case, that he is strictly talking to the males to build you up and maybe even take a, a few pot shots at you, you know, just to kind of bring you down a few notches so you don't think you're all that, you know. And, and, and I'm sure if I was like building you up and I just said something in the negative, your wife would be like, see, see, don't think so highly of yourself, you know. In, in, in one sense, you know, to, to do that would be to be loving yet firm. You know, to be sensitive yet forceful, to be instructive and yet challenging. And honestly, guys, that, that is always my hope when I teach. You know, no, no matter what, what portion of Scripture it is, I do want to give it a balance. You know, I, I, I do want you to, to, to feel like, oh, man, I needed that. In both ways, I needed to hear that sensitive, that, that nice part of it. But quite honestly, sometimes I do want you to leave here feeling bad. You know, I want you to know that you've been kicked in the gut somewhat because of the word of God. But you know that I love you, right? You know, 
Because that's, to me, when we look at the Word of God, I truly believe that it is so balanced. It is truly balanced. Because we see that it is full of grace and truth. Because that's who Jesus is. You know, I've heard it said, and I've used it before, all truth and no love is harsh. (laughs) All truth, man, can be very harsh. But if you're all love or grace, then it's almost hypocritical because you're not really, like, showing both sides. And so there has to be a balance in, in the way we deal with people. The Word of God tells us to speak the Word or speak the truth in love. Because oftentimes we can just devastate people if we're just so doggone honest with them. But there has to be that balance of truth and love. And I, I truly believe the Word of God is like that. Now, if John is talking purely about the physical here, he, he, he is talking to the men, the males. If it is purely physical, I could see how he would address the fathers. You know, just speak to the fathers. And, and in, in those days, when, when he's referring to the fathers, it's referring to those who are 40 years and older. And so when he refers to these young men, he's referring to those who are 40 and younger. Some of you 40-year-olds are going, yeah, yeah. Still a young man. You're still a young man. Um, but to the little children, you know, verse verse thirteen uh, refers that the, to the little children. It refers to infants, to those who who you may see who who are in the nursery or in the toddler room. And can you imagine this old man addressing these infants? To you, infants. I write to you, and they're going, I can't read. <laughs> and they're scared to death of you because you're like towering over them, you know? And it's almost like, oh, just that, that just doesn't make sense that he would be writing to little children in, in this fashion, in this form. And so, again, the, the, the little children that he speaks of in verse 12, on the other hand, is the same Greek word that is used in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, where he says, my little children. It's the same Greek word that is used there, and it does mean infant, but it also carries the meaning of born ones. Speaking of, of, of Christian converts, those who have been born again, that's what that, the, 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 the one in the, the little children in verse 12, it's talking about Christian converts. To me, it's speaking to the church. And on the, on the other hand, in verse 13, the little ones, or the little children in verse 13, is a, it's a different, totally different Greek word than that of verse 12. And so we'll get to that when we get to verse 13. More than likely, and this is the way I, I, I lean on this portion of Scripture as I've been studying it, is the little children in verse 12 is the church in general, the believer. The fathers that he speaks to in verse 13 and 14, are the mature Christians. The young men that he makes reference of are maturing Christians. And the little children, in verse 13, he is talking to immature Christians. And so that's the way I kind of lean as I look at this, that he is not just talking to the males, but he's talking to the church. He's speaking to all of them. Age, 
here is not much of a factor in that sense. And I would say that gender is not a factor either, unless you want to make it a gender or make it make gender a factor here, that he is purely talking to, to the men of the church. Even if it's the mature, the immature, or the mature, maturing and the immature, that he is purely speaking to the male gender. And, and the only way I, I would lean to that way would, would be to say that I truly believe that God has called the males the males of the church, to rule or to be head over your family. He hasn't called your wife. He hasn't called the female to be over the wife or to be over the husband. He's called you as males to be over the family, to be the head of the family. And he's also called the males to be the leaders of the church. I don't mean that, they, that women can't be in leadership positions and do things within the church, but the leaders of the church, I, I truly believe he's called the males. And not the male, uh, not the females, and so in that I would lean in that way. So John here, he's addressing the little children, and again, to me, he's he's speaking to the church. He's addressing these little children, the Christian, in verse twelve, and he says, "I write to you because your sins have been forgiven, for His name's sake." Again, if he's talking purely to the male, you're going what? The women is like, what, only guys get forgiven? It's like, no, it's, it's for everybody. Every, everybody's, the availability to be forgiven is for all. And again, if he's talking to the little infants, it's like they have no clue what you're talking about in that sense. And so here he is. He says that he's writing to the little children, the church, so that they would understand or because your sins are forgiven you. Now, now we can understand, if, if, if you take that view as well, if you look at that, now we can understand that John is addressing all those whose sins are forgiven. And if you are a Christian, then you, you should understand that your sins are forgiven. So it's like, that, this is for you. Those whose sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, He has cleansed you from all your sin. If, if you can come to that understanding, if you can understand that, then, then you know, hey, you're forgiven. You can walk in that. Now, I know, in the physical sense, that little children are sinners. They are, little kids. I just had a grandson the other, what, a couple of weeks ago. And you can already see, he is so selfish. He depends on his mom for everything. Isn't that selfish? That a little kid like that would already... He already knows how to like whine and cry when he's hungry. It's like, really? Man, it's like you already see this like selfishness within these little babies. And, and as they, they start growing, man, they, they just... Kids are the worst sometimes. They're the worst, man, because they depend on everybody else. They don't do anything for themselves. It's like, where's being other-centered here? It's like, no, mine, mine, mine. It's like, really? You're a year old and you're a little sinner. Now, I see, I understand that, and we, and we know that, but for the most part, those little kids have no clue. Well, I don't know, some of them do. My three, three, uh, three-year-old grandson, he knows he's a sinner already. But, but for the most part... These kids have not come to the understanding about their sins truly being forgiven. Not like the born-again Christian. Not, that, not like that little child or little children. That they understand that they have been forgiven. They know they're sinners and they have come and asked 
for forgiveness. So first and foremost, for anyone that, that can move on or to grow, they need to understand, they need to recognize, they need to accept that their sins have been forgiven. Because without understanding that, how do you really know you're even in the Lord if you don't really truly understand that you've been forgiven? Because if you understand that you're forgiven, then you're more than likely a believer, right? And so you would be, he would be saying here, I'm writing to you, little children, because you know who you are in the Lord. You know who you are in Christ. You have come to understand that. And now you can walk in that. And, and, and once you understand that, there's really nothing stopping you from growing in the Lord exponentially. I think that's the right word. Did I say that word? I just thought it was cool. It came to mind in the first service. I was like, I hope I remember that word. But be that as it may. You can grow by leaps and bounds if you understand that you're forgiven. Because there's no more condemnation, the Bible tells us, for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that should hold you back because you, you are forgiven. And so he's encouraging them, hey, I'm writing to you because you know that you have been forgiven. And now you can move on. You can move on to maturity. You can move on to, to, to or being mature. You can move out of immaturity. Because again, when you're looking at the, these three groups of people, the mature, the maturing, and the immature, these are what make up the church. There's three, three. You're, you're, you're falling in one of those categories as a Christian. You're either mature, you're maturing, or you are immature. But, but, but keep in mind that no matter where you are at, there's always room for growth. I, I, I don't want you to think because you consider yourself mature that, that now you've arrived. Because if you think that, then I will drop you down a few notches and say you are immature if you think that that I am so mature. You know, I don't need anything else. It's like, okay, drop you down a little bit. No, as long as you have breath, there is always room for maturity. There's always room for growth. And don't ever stop growing in the Lord. Verse 13, he says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Who, who are the fathers that John is writing to? Those who have known the Lord for many, many years. They have known the Lord for years. And they have walked with Him for many years. They have been active in Him. And they have grown old, in a sense, in the Lord. They have grown old. They, 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 they have some past behind them as far as being Christians, they, they have matured in that sense. Now, I do have to say that it is possible to be a Christian for a long, long time and not be in that category of father. There are many people who, who are saved or have been saved for many years, and yet they are so spiritually dwarfed. <laughs> There's really no maturity in them be, because mainly because they've given very little attention to exercise spiritual things in their life. 
They're, they're satisfied being saved, but they're not so excited about growing and maturing. They're okay with just being where they're at. There, there are those who give all diligence and add to their faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And then there are those who don't do those things. That's from Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, when Peter is saying, add to your faith these things so that you will not stumble. He says, continue to grow. Exercise these, these characteristics so that you can move on to the next. And that's what it means to mature. And the fathers, so the fathers are the, the spiritually mature in the church. They just don't know about God or they just don't know of Him in the historical sense as a historical figure. No, they, they, they actively, actively know Him because they hear Him in His Word. They're reading the Word. So when they're reading the Word, they're hearing God speak to them. They're talking to Him on a regular basis. They, they, they've kind of left the receiver off the hook so they can always talk to Him instead of hanging up with God and then just going and doing your own thing. No, they understand that, man, there's always this open line of communication between them because there's a continual fellowship. And when they sin and when they mess up, they know that they can come and confess their sins immediately. They don't have to wait for a certain time period and, or... or, or or feel guilty and to, to, a, to a, where the point they're, they're, they're like beating themselves up over it. Man, they understand, man, I messed up. I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm going to keep that line of communication over or uh, open. And so they understand, the mature Christian, that they don't stay away for a long period of time. Because you know why? They, they, they understand who they are in the flesh. And they know that if they back up, <laughs> if, they, if they go on vacation from God for a little bit, they know what they are susceptible of. And so they know they have to keep a short leash. Not that God's like, hey, stay right here. It's like, no, they know they need Him that bad and they stay close. That's what the spiritually mature do. But more importantly, they, they, they know who they are in Christ. They know that. They, they know that Jesus is not just part of their life. Jesus is their life. And they can't do anything apart from Him because that's... That's, that's their everything. Everything revolves around Jesus. Anything they do dictates, or, or anything that they, yeah, anything they do dictates of what the Word of God has already been teaching them and showing them. What they've been hearing from God and what they've talked to God over. And so they know that that's what they're supposed to do. They, they, they stay close. And so the fathers have known Him who is from the beginning. That can mean historically. They, they accept the sovereignty of God. They, they, they have no question about who, in their mind that He is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. They don't, they don't have to debate um, creation. They know the Creator. doesn't mean that they can't get into debates with people, but they, they're not going to be swayed by somebody who doesn't believe in creation. It's like they know what the Word of God says, and they are convinced of it, and nothing else will persuade them otherwise, because they, they are firm. To know Him who is from the beginning can also mean that they know Him from the beginning of the church. That, that, that word can be used from the beginning of, of, of the church. Um, 
the word him there can be used of Jesus or God. Uh, John used it simultaneously. Um, in, in other words, they have no doubt of who Jesus is. They know that Jesus is God and nobody can convince them otherwise. They know what the word of God says. They know what Jesus has said about himself. And so, so nobody's going to, to kind of bring doubt that they are truly saved. They know who they are in Christ. They know what Jesus came to do. To, to know him who is from the very beginning can also mean that the fathers have been faithful in knowing him from the beginning of their walk with him. In other words, the mature have really never like just backslid and gone back into the world. They came to Christ and they have been consistent in their walk with Christ. They, 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 they haven't been going this way and that way on, on a regular basis. They, they, they've messed up. They know that. But they have been consistent in, in their walk with Jesus from the beginning. So they, 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 they look... They, they, they're, they're mature Christians. They, they, they have credibility because they have been consistent. They have credibility. They've been consistent in how they have followed the Lord and so others look to them because they've been seeing consistency in that person's life. Now, even though they are the mature, the father, make no mistake about it, they are not out of the battle. They might not be fighting on the front lines like they did when they may have been younger. (laughs) But make no mistake, they are still fighting the good fight. And they will fight it to the end. Whether it's in whatever capacity, they will not turn back from Jesus. They will continue to move forward. These fathers can be looked to for wisdom. Because they've spent time with their Lord. They know Him. And so they, they, they have the wisdom... There's a lot of wisdom to be gained from these fathers, young men and women. (laughs) Just as much as the older generation needs the younger generation, the younger generation needs the older generation because there's been consistency there. And you can learn a lot from them. Then he says, I write to you young men. Because you have overcome the wicked one. Who, who are the young men that John is writing to? They are the ones who have known the Lord for some time. Might not be been a long time, but they know, they've known the Lord for some time. And they are walking and are active in Him. And they are growing in the Lord. And, and you could see this. You could see that they are growing Again, the, the, the term young men in those days um, were those who were under 40 years of age. But today, 50 is a new 40. <laughs> no, I'm 55. So 55 is a new 40, okay? <laughs> we were talking about this last night at our leadership meeting. I was kind of sharing a little bit with them. And it's like, no, wait a minute, man. I still, I still want to be a young man. <laughs> I, still, I still want to be in that group. 
I still have a lot of fight in me. I still have a lot of oomph. I want to go for it, you know? Uh, and so, again, age doesn't matter at this point right here. Okay, guys? And if I want to be a young man, I am still a young man. But honestly, honestly, I, I, I would say that when we look at this, even in the physical sense, he, he is talking to you young single adults. Single young adults. You young marrieds that are out there. You young families. And I will also throw in some of you teenagers because I've seen God work in the lives of teenagers and they are in it. And they are willing to be in it. And they want to be in it. They are in the midst of the battle as well. John is writing to you, he says, because you have overcome the wicked one. The word overcome means to subdue literally or figuratively. To conquer, overcome, to prevail, to get the victory. That's what it means to overcome. Once again, it means that you are in it, young men. You are in it for the long haul. It's not this fad that you're going through because you've gotten yourself in trouble or this happened. All of a sudden you're realizing this is for real in my life. You've already experienced the things of the world and you know that those things get you in trouble and they drag you down, they pull you away. And so you young men, you, you, you have experienced this. And you have count the cost and you are in it because it's worth it to you and it's worth it to your family. You know about the victories because you've had struggles already in your life and you know that when God has come through, man, you just fall down and worship Him because He is faithful. And so you young men, you age group in that you know, age group of, of, of young men, then you understand who He is, you know who you are in Him, and you stand firm. You stand firm. Once again, because you know who you are in Christ and you have put things in perspective. Things have already come your way that you've had to make the hard choices between the tug of what the world wants you to do and what Christ is calling you to do. And you've had to make those tough choices. And even your family can come against you because you're saying, no, we're going to do this. And they're going, really? And it's like, you're going to stand. You're not going to allow yourself or those around you to be overcome by the world. And so you need to make the hard choices choices. And I say this to a generation who doesn't like making hard choices. (laughs) They like going with the flow. They like to be as close to the the world they possibly can and still be a Christian. And so I call call on you, youngsters, (laughs) get as far away from that line, man, because you know, you know what that world wants to do to you. And so you need to continue to make these hard choices for you and for your family. The word wicked one does mean the devil, for sure. But in the Thayer's Greek lexicon, it says this, full of labor, annoyances, hardships, pressed and, and um, harassed by labors, bringing toil, perils, bad, <laughs> for a, of a bad nature or condition, in the physical sense, diseased and blind in the ethical sense evil wicked bad 
all, all these things speak of what is being thrown at you all the time from the world. You're, 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 you're in a group where, where you're, you're not mature to, to where it's like, not that that doesn't bother you or if it's not attacking you, but man, they, the, the world is tugging at you constantly. And sometimes it comes from without and sometimes it even comes from within. And you're being tugged all the time. You and your family are, are, are being, being bombarded on a daily basis from the enemy and this world system. It wants you. And it wants you bad. And yet you're the one that's having to make the choices and everybody's looking at you like, really, why are you so old-fashioned? That's for the old people. We're not there, dad. We're not there, wife. We're not there, husband. It's like, man, let's just do... all the, It's like, guys... It is tugging constantly. And you have to make the choice to overcome the wicked one. And guys, you are the ones that are, that are in the front lines in the battle oftentimes. And guess what? <laughs> this battle gets heated and it gets intense. And there are times, even in your life, that you're even wondering if you and your family are going to make it. Because it's just been so hard. And you're going, what did I do wrong? Was this right for me to make this choice because now I have to die on this hill? Is it worth it? Is it truly worth it? Because you keep on getting wounded and you seem to not be able to stop the bleeding that comes your way. But this is what Jesus said in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Young men, this is where it is important for you to go to the fathers, the mature Christians in the fellowship, the people that you know, and go and ask them, show me your scars. Show me your scars. How did you do this when you were my age and you had your family and you were raising your family? How did you get through it? And I could almost guarantee you the mature Christian who has gotten through a lot of what you're going through right now will be more than glad to show you their scars. Not to brag about them, but to say, Sonny boy, you can get through this. You will bleed a lot and you will cry a lot. But you can have victory. You young men, that category. You want credibility? Like, like, like the mature Christian? You want credibility? Be consistent. Be consistent in your walk with Jesus. Be consistent in reading your word. Be consistent in fellowship in, 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 here in this church or wherever you're fellowshipping, but be consistent in it. Be a part of it. Be active in it. If you want to gain credibility... Fight the good fight consistently. Stand for righteousness and you will gain the credibility that you, that you want as a young man. Continue on a regular basis to make the hard choices for you and your family, even if it's not popular. <laughs> make the right choices. Make those hard choices because in the end, it will be well worth it. Because as you make those hard choices in this world, and as the world comes against you, as the, your family even can come against you, 
you will be the one that has set your family apart for God and apart from this world. You will make that dividing line and you will die on that hill if you have to. Because that's what you know is right. Not because of popular stuff, it's because the Word of God has told you, you make these decisions. This is what I expect from you. Now don't get me wrong. A lot of us fathers, (laughs) the mature, are not ready to move over. We're not ready to move out in that sense. But I would say to you young men, fight the battle. Take over this place. Even if we're not ready to move over, start building your credibility here as far as like, I want that job. I want to be doing ministry. I want to be more involved. It's like, hey, you want to go for it? Come alongside, buddy. Come on, buckaroo. You want to, you want to get in the mix? Let's get in the mix. Let's, let's, let's get in the trenches and find out what it takes to run a place like this. Because honestly, when, when, when I was in my 30s and our pastor was like in his 40s, almost 50s, he was training us up to run this place. And he did an amazing job. He, he, he raised up a bunch of knuckleheads and he gave us a chance to fail even. <laughs> you want to take over? Move us out of the way, but prove it. Part, part of the reason sometimes the older guys don't want to give the younger cats the, the, the opportunity is because they do see a lack of consistency in your life. You know why? Because everything else captures your attention and this is secondary to a lot of the younger generation. But you want credibility? Be consistent. Move us out of the way. Move us out of the way. But do this. Love Jesus more than I do. Jesus. Love Jesus like I like love Jesus. Love the Word of God. <laughs> love the Word of God with all your heart. Place it way up here in your life. Love His people with all your heart. Love them. Love, them. love ministry. Get tired in ministry. <laughs> Pour yourself out in ministry. <laughs> and then I will be glad to step out of the way and watch you go. And I'll be there to support you. But I want to challenge you guys in that. And I will also challenge you in this. Invest in this place. What do I mean by invest of this place? Be a tither. You young generation, you're you're already going, dude, now you're talking about my money. It's like, no. You know what? It will say a lot about your maturity. Because I know in that time frame where you have little kids and you're struggling or you're, you're, you're starting off and you're going, what? You know how much 10% is, bro? It's like, absolutely. You know why? Because many of us, when our pastor taught us those kinds of, of, of things, it, 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 it built that credibility. It built that in us. And, and he had confidence in us because he saw a maturity even in that arena of our lives. Be a giver of your time and your money. And it will say a lot about your maturity. It really will. You know, here's another good time to go and ask the fathers, the mature Christians, how did you do it when you had this full-time job and you had these kids and they're playing everything and they're going here and we've got to buy this and we've got to do this? How did you tithe 
in the middle of all that stuff. Come and ask the fathers. Come and ask us about that stuff. We'd be glad to teach you about money. I know some of you guys going, man, how'd you turn that into a tithing message, bro? Because <laughs> it builds credibility, man. Honestly, I'm being straight up with you. It builds credibility of who you are. That you're willing to give everything. You're willing to pour yourself out, even your resources. And then he says, I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. Who are the little children that John is writing to? They are those who have come to know the Lord, but they are barely walking, if, if, any at all, if anything at all. They're not active on their own yet. They need a lot of help. <laughs> and, they, and they really haven't begun to grow. And the term little children in this verse means a childing of either sex, i.e. properly a, an infant, or um, by extension, a half-grown boy or girl, figuratively an immature Christian. That's from the Strong's Concordance. An immature Christian. And more than likely, he is referring to a new convert here. One who, has, who, who just started his walk or her walk with the Lord. At this point, it doesn't matter what age, because people come to Jesus at all ages, and we've all started as little children. The, these little children need time to grow. They need the fathers and the young men to come alongside these little children and show them what it means to walk with Jesus. That, that the fathers and even the, the young men would be able to say to these immature people, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. And some people would say, oh, how could you be so ignorant to say, hey, follow me? You know, it's like, no, you should be able to say that. As a mature Christian, as a maturing Christian, hey, I'm following Christ, so follow me. I'll teach you what it looks like to be a Christian. Again, that's a tall order, huh? Because some of you guys are going, I don't want people to know how. It's like, well, then maybe you're not a mature Christian if you really can't say that. Maybe you're not maturing the, the way you thought you were if you can't say, hey, follow my example. Because I'll lead you in the right way. I won't lead you astray. They need time to grow. They, they have come to know the Father. And that word know is the same Greek word that he used for the fathers when he says they have known the Father, but the fathers have known Him a longer time. <laughs> they have more experience under their belt in that sense. But it doesn't matter what age you come, you can still have somebody like that teach you, even if they're younger than you. <laughs> and you're probably thinking, ah, what can these young whippersnappers show me? It's like, I don't know, maybe some humility there? That God can use anybody? <laughs> Again, all of us have started off as little children. But there is no hard, fast rule of how fast someone can grow in the Lord. Your growth in the Lord, man, it's, it's, like, it's like dog years. You can, you can grow quick. In the Lord. We should just call it Christian years. Because again, man, you can just come to the Lord and be so hungry for the things of God that you're just growing by leaps and bounds. You're just like moving and going, man, I, I am just like taking it all in. And pretty soon, man, you're, you're like teaching others already. And it's like, whoa, how old are you in the Lord? And some of the old people are like, what? It's like, you know what? They're hungry. 
They want to grow. They want to mature, man. They, they see, you know, what, what God's done in other people's lives. Like, that's where I want to be. Now, there are Christians who have known the Lord for many, many years, and yet they are still considered immature Christians, or they're still considered in this category as little children. They might not think so, but that pacifier in their mouth gives them away. That, that, that poopy diaper that they sit in gives them away because they still can't do anything for themselves. They're, 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 they're still like just sitting there in their mess going, somebody wipe me, clean me, somebody feed me, somebody do this instead of going, Lord, what can I do? I want, I want, to, I want to get up. I want to start walking. I want to start running. I want to start moving. I want to start doing stuff. You know, and not doing stuff to do stuff, but because you've, you're learning what the Word of God says, what it means to be a servant. It's not that they can't grow. They just don't want to grow. They haven't grown. And, and, and I'll say this. It's because of inconsistency. They came to Christ and they were satisfied just sitting in their poopy diaper instead of really growing and saying, what, what is it, God, that you have for me? I want it all. I want it all. And then it goes back to being inconsistent. Inconsistent in, in, in them reading the Word. Inconsistent in them praying. It's inconsistency in the fellowship here. Being here on a regular basis or whatever fellowship you go to. That, that, that there's a consistency. Because when you come here, it's not only to receive, but it's also to give to other people in the middle of the hallways, after church, before church. Because you're ministering. You're, you're like, Lord, put me in front of people that need my help. <laughs> Even if I can't help myself, I want to help them. I want to I be there. for those who are immature like that, Jesus is hes just a part of their life. He, he is not all their life. He hasn't become their life. Because other things are more important to them. See, nothing is stopping them from growing except themselves. But they know, when to, they know where to turn when they have to. And they've gotten themselves in trouble. They know where to turn when they have to or when they need to. But when it comes to wanting to, they want to do everything else instead. Verse 14, he says, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong in the, and, and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. And so here he, he kind of reiterates, he, he, he repeats himself, but he's saying, I have already written to you. I'm writing to you and I've, I, I, I write to you and now I'm writing to you to, to encourage you. And here when he, he says, I've written to you fathers. And here he adds nothing more to the fathers. It's the same verse that, or the same words that we had in, in verse 13 because there's not much more to be added in that. In that the fact that, that these mature Christians, they're not going to turn back. They're, they're, they're convinced of who Jesus is and they could see the prize already, man. They're that close. And there's nothing else that will sway them otherwise. They know too much. <laughs> they're in it. But more importantly, they know who they are in Christ. And so he doesn't add anything to them, but to the young man, he adds, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. The word of God resides within you. It has made its home in you. It dwells within you. It has been embedded in your heart. 
he's saying to these young kids or these, these the young men that group. And so here John gives us the 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 secret. He gives us the secret that these young men, that group, is being dictated by what the Word of God tells them. It dictates their life. Everything they do has to do with what the Word of God has shared with them. And they can go do anything they want in that sense because they're in the Word of God. And they know if they go do this, it's because God's okay with it. Because they, 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 they've, they've been in here. And, and I really, again, man, I, I love the fact that, that the secret is that to overcoming was that they weren't strong in their own power. They were, they, were, they were strong because of who the Lord is in their life and the power of His might. And again, they understood that they only overcame because of what Jesus has done for them and the Word of God has spoken to them and they are strong in that. Again, age really doesn't matter here. Age doesn't dictate maturity. Age doesn't dictate consistency. It's the Word of God. That should dictate your life. To the mature Christian, it should, again, you have already known that. You've been in your Word on a regular basis for your, for your Christian life, and it has dictated every move you make. To you, young man, uh, the young men, the, 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 the Word of God has dwelt in your heart. It's making residence there. And so, man, it is so vital for you because it's given you wisdom to lead your life and your family. And because of that, a lot of the young or the, the young or the little children, when they start off and they begin to read on a regular basis, you watch their life, man. They get you excited. <laughs> Because all of a sudden they're reading going, did you know it said this? And you're looking at them going, oh, you little child. But you get excited because it's like, ah, you've heard God speak. I can't tell you how many times, man, I get so excited when people have shared with me. It's like, I read this, especially now that we're going through Proverbs. They're sharing with me things that Proverbs is telling them. And I just get stoked for them because it's brand new, brand new revelation for them. And I'm going, oh, yeah. And it gets better. It gets better, man. You just continue to read, continue to be in, in, in fellowship with the, God, with, with the Father and with Jesus Christ and be in fellowship with one another and you will grow. And so you young, you, you little children <laughs> that are new to the Lord, man, it gets exciting. If you're a little child because you've been just immature, you'd never really grow, man, I want to encourage you. Take hold of this. Grow. Become a young man. In, in, at, at, even at your age, become a young man who's vigorous and ready to go and to where you will have some credibility as you get older in the Lord. And so I want to encourage all you guys, man, let's just dig into this and say, Lord, where do I fall in? If I'm a, if I'm a father, how am I going to pour out to others? If I'm a young man, where's the fight? I want to be in front of it. Lord, I'm new, but I want it all. Let's go for it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, once again, we want to bless you and thank you for your word, Lord God. Thank you for the challenges that, 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 that you give us through your word, Lord. Thank you for the instruction. Thank you for the heart of John, that, that as we read 2,000 years later of what he wrote about, Lord God, his heart was to encourage the body of Christ, Lord, at every level. And Lord, I pray that your word has been able to do that this morning throughout our body right here, Lord God. For my brothers and sisters, Lord God, wherever, wherever they're at right now, Lord, challenge them to continue to grow. Lord, move them, Lord God, and give them a hunger and a desire for your word, Lord God. 
to be active in who you are, Lord God. And I know it will translate in other areas around our church, Lord. And I just thank you for that, Lord. And I pray, God, that maybe there's some here this morning who don't know you, Lord. They came this morning and they're listening to this. And and they're just kind of tripping, Lord, because they don't understand fully. But, Lord, you want to give them wisdom. And you want to open their eyes. And you want to bring them out of darkness into the light. And I pray that this morning they would surrender to you and give their life to you. And so, Father, please capture their hearts. Use those who they came with, who may be a little immature or they're young men or they're mature, Lord. Use them to minister to these people that don't know you. And we thank you and we praise you, Jesus, for your goodness and your grace. Blessed be your name. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.